Sonic States. What's called? Uh, hello and uh, welcome to Sonic Talk number 119. Um, well, uh, we have a fulsome chat room. Uh, Twitter seems to be doing its job, which I'm very pleased about. Um, I've, I've doubled, quadrupled my number of Twitter followers uh, on, online since I last announced it. So I'm going to say it again. Sonic Nick is where you can get all our headlines as they come and my various other witterings. And I'm really enjoying it. I've got an application called TweetDeck, which allows me to mastermind the Sonic State Twitter strategy from one great application. Anyway, joining me, uh, as well as the guys in the chat room, who seem to be going up and up and up all the time, actually. Great, we've got a really full chat room. Uh, we've got um, Rich Hilton from Connecticut, who I believe has now installed his full quotient of DigiDesign cards and everything is fine. Am I right, Rich? It's glorious. Hooray! Have you run hey. out of DSP yet? No, no, not nearly. <laughs> I was wondering whether I needed the third card anymore anyway, but wow. I already had one and I had good trade value on it. So now if I decide I don't want it, I can sell it. Yeah. While it's still, while it's still uh, worth something. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Anyway. anyway, Rich, nice to hear your voice. Uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. Uh, I'm sure you're going to put those cards to some great use on f- forthcoming and ongoing projects. Indeed. I any, hope so. Any issues or has it transitioned beautifully? It's transitioned pretty darn beautifully. Uh, you know, two or three plug-in authorization moments, but nothing that took more than a few minutes to sort out. Right. Well, I'm happy for you. But uh, more to the point, I'm about to go down to a tropical paradise where I'm going to design a recording studio. No, really? Oh. Yeah, it's true. It's true. What a tough job. Yeah, it's, were I you, know. Were you last into work and they said, oh, Rich will do it? <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> yeah and he and he can bring his wife with him too wow how long is it going to take a long time i'd imagine got to think about um, these things i'm just leaving tomorrow for the weekend and then uh sometime later in march i'll need to go back and actually do the installation tomorrow it's more of a scouting mission wow where where is this or can you tell us what part of the world very secret um it's in the turks and caicos islands Okay, I don't know where that is. <laughs> My geography is appalling. Is that somewhere, <laughs> somewhere east of Cuba? Oh right, okay. So the is that the uh, the Caribbean? It is. Woo, nice. It is, and it's does quite mean, a lot. Does that Pardon mean you get to smoke some very nice cigars then? I don't know. I don't usually do the cigar thing, but uh, I don't know. Don't know. We'll see. Wow. Well, you, that, that sounds brilliant. Honey. Not around honey, that's for sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have a lovely time. And uh, once again, welcome. And that other voice you heard there was uh, Mark Tinley. Oh, no, I've, I've already managed to butt in. I've only been here two minutes, haven't I? That's terrible. Nah, it's no <laughs> problem. It's no problem. I love that about you. I've been out in the real world, you know. What, interfacing got, with humans face-to-face? Yes, I got, I got into a vehicle yesterday morning at 5.30, and I drove to Middlesbrough. That's and I went and met a whole load of university students at Middlesbrough College. And I talked to them about the music industry, or maybe I talked at them about the music industry. Yeah. Um, but I told them about this podcast, so I'm going to say hello to them, because I know they're all listening. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure, I, yeah. I told them it was valuable to, um, you know, to network and to go and listen to shows such as yours. So uh, hopefully some of them are in the chat room, so they can identify themselves and say hello if they are, maybe. Oh, brilliant. So you did a, is that is that a one-off or are you going to do make that a regular thing? Not don't tell me you're doing it once a week. That'd be a nightmare. No, no. Um, I have been invited back, but not till later in the year. 
Okay. A regular, a, a kind of guest speaker. Brilliant. It was indeed. I mean, it was kind of, I felt like, I don't know if when you were little uh, at school, they had the, uh, the local fireman come in and stand at the front and tell you what it is he did or the local policeman. <laughs> yeah. I, felt like, I felt like him. <laughs> and our local fire guy just used to come in and, um, and play the trombone, actually. <laughs> Bizarrely. So he'd tell us fi- five minutes of stuff about the fire for, uh, firefighting and then he'd get the trombone out and play the trombone to us. Was he particular, particularly slobberous for putting out fires with it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, um, Mark, um, logicofattraction.com, where you can find Mark's book and oh, plenty of other stuff about Mark and what Mark's up to. Uh, thanks for sharing with that, Mark. Um, uh, that other chuckle you heard was PJ Tracy from Minneapolis. He's uh, the Emmy-winning composer and studio owner, I might add, who uh, has been having internet problems, so we troubled, so we didn't get to him last week. I'm sorry we missed you last week, but it's good to have you back this week, PJ. Yeah, good to be here. Um, <clears throat> I, too, am heading off to a tropical destination, unfortunately not to, well, not unfortunately, actually, but uh, not to uh, install a, a studio, but rather to take my wife on a proper delayed honeymoon. Uh, those who have listened to the show for a long time probably know that last year I was married, and when I got married, we just headed up north for a sort of a glorified camping trip just to get away for a little while, but oh, I had yes. always planned on... I remember. Yeah. Watch out for the bears, PJ, was the title of that <laughs> exactly. week's podcast. Yeah. But this time, we're going to we're going on a cruise, actually, to the Caribbean. And, uh, Whoa! Seven days in the sun. We leave on, uh, on Sunday. Oh, so does that I'm mean we're not going to get you next week? I am going to see what I can do about possibly broadcasting from the ship. <laughs> You're not, are you really? Sister, yeah, I am, actually. Do you think yep. you'll be sick of each other sufficiently by then that, um, you know, an hour off is going to be a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, but uh, I, think, uh, I think it would be fun to do. It would, yeah. I deeply understanding. Yeah. Maybe, but, you yeah. can, maybe you can get the captain on board and we can play the theme from the love boat. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Maybe they'll have a calliope on board and we can, uh, we can have an over Skype jam. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Well, PJ, nice to have you. Uh, PJTracyMusic.com. Thank I've you. never been on a cruise. I'm looking forward to maybe one of those one day. And finally, um, Dave Spears from G4Software.com, makers of fine software instruments and also a purchaser, recent purchaser of the Yamaha CS60, I understand. Ooh. Mm, yes. Yeah, and very nice it is too. Well, I've I've literally had it for about an hour, and we were mucking about with it for about an hour. So there you go. Wow. So have you got it? Oh, you've got it with you because you were playing a bit, weren't you? Unless you uh, just happened to be playing me some samples. <laughs> oh. Go on, give us a give us a give us a twirl. Do you want to hear the? Uh, I love this ribbon controller. Hang on, two seconds. I will turn the mic around so you can hear a bit. Delightful. Delightful. That's the only sound it makes. Oh, really? Does it need a bit of work? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. All the, poten- all the sliders are actually fused, and it's only got one patch. I do love the way that you set the programs up with those tiny little sliders. It's brilliant. One memory. <laughs> yeah. switch, uh, switch doors to manual, don't you? Mm. Make it Trump, says Howling Terror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does that automatically, yeah. yeah. When you switch it on, it has a trumping sequence. It's certainly, um, yeah, it's great. Monophonically, it's fantastic. Polyphonically, I think it's running a bit hot. Any more than two voices, and it 
Doesn't like it. Starts it. to break up a little bit. So yeah, uh, I've only ever really played one of the big CXs. I, they had a CS80 at Real World when I was doing some multimedia stuff there, and I dug it out because I was doing all these pads and stuff for one of the CD-ROMs, the Peter Gabriel CD-ROM, and mm. I was pissing around with it, and I did some of these, um, just some pads with it um, through the HD3 H3000, the uh, Electro Eventide thing, and uh, it got snaffled back because um apparently gabriel heard it again and oh actually let's have that back in the control room <laughs> and it's like Fantastic. damn i only got a couple of days with it but um anyway well welcome one of all g4software.com's where you can find dave spears um uh, we probably better get on but first i just wanted to say uh, thanks to all the twit fo- twitter followers and i just there's a couple of people i got john alcock is following us and he's worked with artists including thin lizzie alice cooper the runaways ventilator crisis alexis corner john entwistle jim diamond mandala you know lots of people i got a notification he was he was following us. And rather bizarrely, somebody called Bert Weber, who is uh, famous for discovering the legendary Spanish galleon, uh, Nuestra Senora de la Concepcion, which, sa- which sank in 1641 off the Dominican Republic. What his interest in, uh, in us is, I- I'm not sure. I couldn't I was trying to figure out a connection, but hello and welcome <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening to this. Um, so, yeah, Twitter us. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Sonic Nick is what you want to go to. And uh, I'm discovering it's a very, very useful way of kind of finding out about stuff very quickly. Do you know what I noticed last week? What was that? Oh, I'm, I have been following Jonathan Ross. And Jonathan Ross tweeted, just Twittering the wife, asking her to make me a cup of herbal tea or something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, Jane Goldman's on Twitter. I must follow her. And so I went and clicked on whatever it was in my iPhone to go and follow her, right? And she had 24 followers. This was at 3 p.m. on last uh, Friday afternoon, I think. By Saturday, she had something like 2,000 <laughs> It's like everyone who follows Jonathan Ross is now following her, I guess. Damn, I've got some catching up to do. Um, and I've been, I have been trying to engineer more followers for at Duran Duran. And uh, try as I might, I've only managed to get them an extra 100 followers. So anyone who wants to follow Duran Duran as well, please go and do that, because it would make me look good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, another thing that came out, just a, a couple of things. Uh, uh, the, the new MacBook uh, Pro 17-inch came out today, which looks very tasty. I'm tempted. I'm not sure that I can... I'm sort of wondering whether or not I need a 17-inch because just purely because my eyes are getting worse. Um, uh, is it worth it, or are they a bit of a pain to carry around? Anyone had one? Mine's a 17-inch, uh, just a MacBook Pro. I've got right. the older one. And yes, it's brilliant because you get a lot more screen and... Uh, an extra couple of inches on the edge of the screen takes you up to 1680 by 1050 resolution mm. and, and at readable display size. And suddenly you've got like tons more screen. It is definitely. I mean, I was going to send it back because they sent it to me by mistake. But after I'd switched it on and seen how much extra screen I got, I was like, oh, okay, I think I can live with this. I don't think I can and get it in my uh, camera case. That's the only problem. Uh, you have to buy another case then. Yeah, but then it won't fit in overhead luggage. There's, all these things have ramifications. It's quite important for me on the show. Anyway, um, it's available d- tool, dual 266, uh, dual core, uh, 320 gig, eight hour battery, about 1900 quid, which is what, about $3,000 probably? Something like that. Uh, I won't be buying one anytime soon unless we, um, unless the Twitter followers um, multiply by a, a factor of about a million. The business of touring. Um, we talked a little bit about the economics of it last week, just just with the in wonderment at how much uh, 
Madonna had been making and uh, and various other kind of large acts. Dave, you've done a lot of touring. I mean, freighting's a really big thing, isn't it? Especially now, because lots of people are trying to minimise and get their rigs down to as small as possible to save money on shipping all this stuff around. Uh, yeah, it's got a lot better than it used to. And particularly with the whole European Union thing as well, because obviously carnets were a nightmare before, weren't they? Oh, carnets, yeah. You had to have a list of everything that was in the van, truck, lorry, so that, that you know if you did get stopped, they'd tick it all off to make sure you weren't kind of transporting contraband. Was that right? Yeah, yeah, and it was all border control and stuff like that. So that's become a lot easier in Europe now. I remember actually paying uh, another tech on the road because he was so experienced with this. It was worth me, you know, paying him in beer to do all mine. Um, other than that, I don't know, really. Um, I would say that anything on a tour costs money. Everything. Sneeze, it'll cost you money. <laughs> so it's very easy to mount up. So you need a fairly hefty tour manager who's always a complete pain in the ass, but who takes control of all of these finances and keeps everything under under strict control and reins. And is it kind of down to actually it's like having an accountant that hands out pocket money? Is that the kind of... <laughs> on the road with you yeah yeah particularly when it comes to your pds if i remember correctly right the big debate as to whether you get paid pds on your day off whether he's got any cash the best piece of advice i could give anybody who's thinking about touring is be best friends with the merchandising guy because if you run out of money you can guarantee that he's going to be able to sub you and if you get on well with him it'll all work well anyone who upsets him will not get a loan Ah, because he's always got some operating cash because he's selling the merchandise, which is presumably a separate kind of financial setup to the rest of the, uh, the the gig money and what have you. Yeah, and then you usually need a fairly heavy-duty tour manager to get the earn out at the end of the evening, and if all those things coincide, things can go quite well. Hmm. Okay. And Mark, I was particularly enjoying last week um, when I was editing the podcast, the section about the Duran Duran set um, being sawn apart uh, and getting smaller and smaller and smaller as a, as the tour went on. And presumably now, I mean, uh, you did something recently for, um, I can't remember who it was, was it Fields of Nephilim? Yes. Did that, involve, did, yeah. did that involve kind of micro-sizing down their stuff so that it became, you know, smaller, more compact and less expensive to move around? What's it, I mean, it, it all ended up in a laptop, so... I don't know. How do you mean micro-sizing which well, stuff? Well, that's what I mean. I suppose, you know, if it all ends up in a laptop, that's one very small thing to carry around as opposed to a rack of samplers and a bunch of uh, all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, there were no... no well, the, I was the keyboard player, so there was no other keyboard player. It was me with a laptop. <laughs> ah, right, <laughs> okay. And I wasn't allowed on stage because that would have ruined the this, look. Uh, well, yeah, well, I suppose. As in terms of, like, this is, you know, the... Two guitarists, a bass player, a drummer, and a singer, and then, and Carl didn't want the five piece. Carl didn't want the the keyboard look. Right, he wanted oh, okay. it to have a rock act look. I mean, Rich, you kind of you take a couple of big big old pianos, or at least get them kind of brought to where you are. I mean, is that do you find that's the best way to do it? I mean, would you consider taking your own stuff and just literally hooking up a master keyboard? I mean, how you know a lot of the, your sounds are kind of are designed around the kit that you use or am i um speculating i used to ship gear and uh it was unbelievably costly for us and troublesome given the budget that our band travels under so it, the only reasonable way to go for me and reliable way to go uh, became to rent gear and to bring programs which is what i do right and um 
our whole show, most everybody in our band brings uh, rents, you know, backline. Uh, the guitars obviously come, the horns obviously come, but pretty much everything else is uh, rental gear from place to place, and and it's very specifically uh, specified, you know, uh, described uh, mm. in advance, and mostly we get what we ask for, and certainly I get pretty much all the time. I get at least one RD seven hundred, which means I can do the show without too much hassle does that does that mean i mean is that something that you had to kind of figure out after a few attempts at you know because presumably when you used to ship the transition between shipping and then getting it renting i mean finding you know a place that really has uh, the right stuff or figuring out the right gear to bring presumably i mean is there a is there a, a, a gear choice you know if you kind of were a player of something that was kind of quite hard to find would that be a problem for you or did you kind of make your gear choices based around the fact that you actually need to be able to replicate it in various territories? Well, there are two major things for me in gear choices. One, it has to feel good for me to play as a pianist. And two, it has to represent certain kinds of sounds in particular well for the Chic Show. Um, my role in the Chic Show involves playing everything but acoustic piano, which means I have to present a good-sounding Rhodes and at least passable-sounding strings, and uh, there'll be some tubular bells and a calabinet now and then and, and things like that. So, to me, the sound and the playability of the string thing is very important, and the ability to create a really believable tubular bell for the I Want Your Love song yeah. is really important. Um, and having what I like to play as a Rhodes is very important. And uh, so the choice I've made is to have the same... I really like the Rhodes and the RD700, and the strings are okay. I used to use Kurzweil, and I think the strings were a little better. But... Um, it was such a pain, and when, if it breaks, it breaks, and it's it was ugly. And the Roland I've played underwater in snowstorms, and it works fine. So, um, you know, there's a lot of considerations for me in it. You know, the yeah. liability aspect. I once played the Kurzweil uh, in 24 degrees at a show that Mark was at, as a matter of fact, in Florida on New Year's Eve of 2000, 2001, and uh, the Kurzweil didn't work at all. It was terrible. It was a nightmare. And... Uh, the Roland stuff, as I said, worked basically works underwater, a little bit. underwater in a snowstorm for, you know, three, four hours and uh, without so much as a glitch. That'll get you there. PJ, how about you? Did you, did you, do you kind of find that as you, uh, or I don't know whether you play a lot of gigs now, but are you kind of thinking, hmm, I, what I want really is just a nice controller and everything on the box? Yeah, actually, I um, just put together a band, and I'm going to start doing some some gigging. It's been a while for me. When I when I was doing it a lot back in the the mid and late '90s, um, <clears throat> under many different circumstances, uh, I would be responsible to ship my gear around or haul it around. And at the time, I was using a Korg W Pro X 88 key. Uh, which is a beast of a keyboard as my master controller, largely because it was very reliable, very sturdy, but it was also, uh, you know, a bitch to haul around. It was just sure. really, really, really heavy. Um, and then uh, uh, in the latter part of the decade, I was using a Roland VK7, which I still own to do the Hammond uh, organ if if it was required for the gig uh, and I like that setup except you know the aforementioned weight and and strain of having to carry it around so it was always nice when I was on um, on a, a gig where there was somebody else that was able to <laughs> able to haul it for me yeah, um, but, but now I am looking at options for doing something inside the box and uh, you know if 
if I had my druthers, I would probably just run out tomorrow and buy a Muse receptor and and go that route. But uh, there there are some other you know consider you know some other purchasing considerations that I have before doing something like that. So I'm probably going to use I have a I have a Dell laptop that's a you know a Core Two Duo and and I'll probably wind up using that for most of the sounds and then use some controller and i'm not exactly sure what yet i have uh, i have several of them here but i'm not sure whether or not any of them will actually be the right thing for the gig yeah so, i mean that's uh, the that's the same old same old isn't it just trying to yeah. figure out what what controller yeah. works for everything because it's they're, they're yeah. all very specific and i actually might use several uh, several meaning you know more than one so two two or three you know, possibly to, to be able to do program switching and, and, you know, what, what we're doing is kind of a kind of cinematic. So, uh, I need to be able to switch programs and use layers and splits and that kind of thing. So I'll probably, I'll probably wind up with more than one controller. All right. Okay. At least they won't be um, too leaden and heavyweight. Okay. Well, um, let's, uh, actually that, that came out about because also there was a, a, a bunch of videos on uh, remixmag.com, which is a a touring panel. There's three parts of the video, uh, um, with a bunch of people just talking about the kind of economics and the the things to look out for, for touring and merchandising and stuff. It's quite an interesting sort of insight into, you know, larger acts and smaller acts, how they kind of manage it. Just plug a company. Go on then, Dave. Uh, we're having some gear brought in from the States, and uh, there's a fantastic company, if people need stuff um, freighting around, called Rocket. And the great thing about them is, first of all, they understand the music industry inside out, and secondly, because they have the bases all over the world, you're not actually transferring an item from, say, TNT to FedEx, you know, to get it delivered. So there's one point of responsibility. So if anything goes wrong, if you get it insured through them, you've got no problem. And they've actually been a massive, massive help to us. So there you go, gratuitous plug. Oh, okay, well that is that is something because the, the 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 logistics of this stuff is the thing that makes it a nightmare. I mean, we find it all the time. Even just taking our stuff to uh, you know LA and whatever, you we always try and book direct flights because any opportunity for something going amiss or going wrong or extra handling it increases the chance of things breaking and 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 going wrong. You know, double basically. So yeah, that's one that is worth certainly worth something. Where are they the one that's based out by Heathrow, Rocket Cargo? Yeah. You about? Yeah. In fact, years ago, I used to set up systems for Costello. And what he would do is he, he'd basically have 11 systems. So I'd set them all up in the UK, and then we'd just ship them out to his various houses. They were all identical systems, so wherever he was, he could work. And Rocket used to take care of that. And everything arrived absolutely immaculate. Literally, you could unpack it, set it up, done. Oh, that's nice. Well worth it. Okay. And at this point in the show, we'd like to say thank you to our show sponsors, who are Roland UK. And uh, we'd like to say thank you very much for their continued support of the show. Uh, We really appreciate it, especially in these hard times. And we'd like you to take a look at their Roland Phantom G8. Uh, This is a top-of-the-range workstation. It's got a giant colour screen, mouse control, 152-track sequencer. It's got full hard disk recording, audio tracks, MIDI tracks, all kinds of stuff, drum pads, sampling, uh, external inputs, the list goes on and on. But I really do recommend you go and check it out at roland.co.uk forward slash phantom G. And uh, once again, thank you very much for them for their sponsorship of this podcast.
Ryan Gus. Ryan Gruss, even. Did anyone see this? The drummer who releases uh, a loop a day, or most days, anyway. And today, funnily enough, was uh, loop number 18. And uh, he was basically, uh, he's a drummer who's based in Boston, Massachusetts, and he's uh, basically done a lot of studio work and gigging and touring and all the stuff. And he releases loops for people to use. And he doesn't really care about, uh, you can feel free to cut them up, EQ, compress, distort, mutate them. All he wants is a link to the final product when you're finished and see what happens. It's kind of an experiment, I guess. And he provides all his loops in um, Logic Sessions. So you can just download them. I downloaded one just before the show. I haven't actually had a chance to open it out and had a look at it. But um, today's loop um, is actually, he's, he writes a great blog as well, actually. Today, uh, he's a bit under the weather. He's got a flu or something, and he's got uh, a broken wrist or a sprained wrist. And uh, he was thinking, feeling a bit sorry for himself, and he actually thought about the um, Def Leppard drummer, Rick Allen, who kind of relearned how to play drums with one arm. So he, today's loop was a loop that was played with one, one arm. So just the snare work and the hi-hat was all sort of pedal work. And it just uh, it's an interesting idea. I don't know if anyone kicked around. Some of the loops are quite good, and he's sort of not just just playing stuff. I mean, Dave, you're a drummer. Did you get a chance to look at some of this? I only managed to check out... Uh, in fact, I looked at the blog and went down to the Motorhead loop. Ah. I thought it was particularly um, entertaining. I didn't check that one out. Was it authentic enough? Yeah, it was good. I mean, the guy's good. Can't take it away from him. I did like the idea of the one-arm drummer thing, because I'm a bit of a one-finger keyboard player, so maybe we could set up a band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what an interesting idea. But it's a brilliant it's a brilliant concept, this. I mean, just, you know, there's there, and there are, t- there are enough loops there now. I don't know quite how long he's been doing it, but he's got lots of genres and all sorts of things. So you can just go and get this stuff and pick it out. And he obviously has a setup that allows him, I don't know, maybe he does a lot of session work online. Like, um, you know, there's, there's various people that do session drums and you send a track. Their, their kit is always set up and they just play, you know, you a drum track. So maybe that's part of what, what's going on there. I didn't actually um, dig deep enough to find this out, but I suspect so, it maybe was. PJ, did you get a chance to see this? I did. Yeah, it's great. He's a good drummer. Lots of, uh, lots of stuff on offer there. Uh, I think he'll, be very successful with this experiment be interesting to hear what people do with his work yeah i wonder if it's uh you know how many people are using it and whether it's going to work in terms of i mean when he says feel free to use it i wonder what would happen if somebody kind of actually did use it and got a major a major hit with it whether there'd be a discussion that needed to be had there i don't know mark what did you think oh sorry pj carry on oh i was i was just going to say i like uh i think it was loop number 17 or maybe 16 somewhere in there where he mentions in order to get an authentic he wanted to get an authentic end of the night feel in a pub as as though he were doing the gig from the pub and so he drank uh quickly four pints of imperial lager and ate a (laughs) plate of chicken wings and then repeatedly drunk dialed his wife all from his studio before recording the loop (laughs) (laughs) that's brilliant he's he's a a method drummer then yeah he's a method drummer (laughs) oh that's superb yeah he's a funny guy and he writes well as well so it's worth just going there and seeing what his writing's like because it's just he writes some entertaining and amusing stuff um mark did you have, have you seen these I've listened to obviously the one, the top one you sent a link to and watched that strange YouTube video, which I didn't understand, but I got very distracted by the fact that he's managed to get a tag cloud working on his WordPress site (laughs) and got a little bit distracted by trying to work out how he'd done that. So, uh, (laughs) okay. 
yeah, the non-logic fools thing seemed a bit odd to me as well. But hey, I don't know. Maybe I've got autism or something. <laughs> he's he's very uh, yeah. I mean he's 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 dry and uh, you know it just does what he does. But yeah, well worth checking out. RyanGrus.com, which is R Y A N G R U S dot com. beautiful tones of the ubiquitous ryan jordis um playing the bebot uh synth application for the uh, iphone on and ipod <laughs> oh. what ryan jordis that's great the beautiful tones hey. of oh god jordan no what i can't even remember what his name is now god damn <laughs> Ryan Jordis. Ryan Jordis. I think he might be Ryan Jordis because I think Jordan Rudis is actually a series of clones that are (laughs) (laughs) traveling throughout the internet to promote different products. And uh... well, I'm sorry to both Ryan and Jordan. That was Jordan Rudis, in fact, uh, demonstrating the Bebot synthesizer, uh, which is a four-voice synth, uh, multi-wave synth on the iPhone. An iPod. I downloaded that immediately and put it on my um, on my uh, iPod, which I forgot to bring in today because I was going to try and do a bit of live um, action on it, but I didn't get around to it. One perhaps for the next Christmas special, a new finger-controlled instrument for the next Christmas jam, I think, perhaps. Um, I thought it sounded lovely and quite playable as well. Anybody else? Dave, I know you're an iPhone app addict. Did you buy it? Straight and bought it, yeah. <laughs> One pound nineteen. I mean, what can you say? Bargain. I have to say, being particularly facetious, I would normally never buy anything that Jordan Rudess um, endorses, except for this. And uh, I just kind of went, I like this. It's good fun. It is good fun, and I like the little um, graphic of the sponge or whatever it is. Looks a bit SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, Uh, uh, the articulations on his mouth are actually quite, um, quite apt to the sound that it's being made so yeah it does lots of lots of great interesting quite interesting sounds and finger gestures. but the, the, it's it's deceptively simple because one thing that's very cool about it is you can set up um how it snaps or quantizes to notes whether it, it moves fast or stepped um whether it's chromatic or you can turn on and off various scales and that kind of thing and that's that's what makes it actually playable i mean if it had presets obviously you could you could use it live and you can play over some music that's playing on um, your iTunes, you know, from from iTunes at the same time. That's pretty cool. Like it. And the polyphonic bit, that's good. Yeah, four-note polyphonic with individual um, slidey bits. Mark, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I read 
I avoided this app for a while as it didn't seem that interesting to me until I saw this video and now I've got to get it as it looks amazing. And I thought, well, what is this? So I watched the video and I thought, wow, that's incredible what you can do with that. So I went straight to the iTunes music store and I bought it. And what I discovered is it's incredible what Jordan Rudess can do with it. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite so incredible what I can do with it. It does make some fantastic (laughs) theremin-like noises, but I'm, I'm, having tried it and tried to do what he's doing myself, I'm completely blown away by it. Oh dear! Sounds like you got trouble there, Mark. Uh, yeah. Hang on, I'll come back in a minute. Okay. Do you want to mute? Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, Mark's East preset on the B-Bot there. Um, <laughs> Rich, you've got an iPod. Did did you? I'm about to. <laughs> sale. <laughs> be- I think I, we, we should make two, two, two cents on every sale. How the gauntlet's been thrown down. PJ, are you feeling left out, or have you got an iPod too? Uh, I do have an iPod, but I don't have an iPod Touch, so I guess I'm the I'm the Apple pariah of the group. But oh. uh, yeah, it's I thought it sounded really good. Uh, you know, for a, an iPhone application, I thought that the actual sound coming out of the thing was was really fantastic. Um, quite sweet. And I I thought that the video, um, you know, Jordan Rudis did a good job of uh, of presenting it, but I thought it was a lot like one of those old after-school public service announcements. The iPhone is a wonderful application for creative endeavors. Let's <laughs> take a look, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I, I don't know. I mean, how does the guy find the time? I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess when he's not touring or recording, he's doing stuff like this. Maybe yeah. he's on tour and he's sitting around all day bored off his head and uh, doing all of this stuff while he's got, uh, got all the downtime on tour because I know that I spent hours doing nothing at all sitting being bored and I could have uh, could have been doing eight, eight, eight or ten hours a day when you're not doing anything sitting twiddling your thumbs a lot of the time when you're on tour I suppose you, so? I imagine a B-Bot's only going to fill a, a, a finite amount of time given that num- amount of minutes to fill I well, if you're uh, if you're endorsing Roland and Yamaha and all those people, you just say, "Come to this gig. I'm at this show. Bring your keyboard here and your film or whatever, and you know, come and film me here." Yeah, he could send some of those hours to me. I'll I'll take them gladly. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> any day. Got it. Sounds oh, like R two D two. That one. Well, this version. <laughs> He sounds like Wally. Wally, oh, yeah, that's Wally. true. <laughs> well, I guess oh, that's Rich, why it's have you just people. got yours as well? I have. How fascinating is this? This is live radio. had a live iPod touch application download and install in the time it's taken for me to mention, a f- to say a few words. Incredible. <laughs> I'll turn mine off now. Oh, and Dave. Oh, we got three-way. I feel really left out. I should have brought my iPod in. I love this thing. This is... Uh, he's a drummer. He's been an official member of various bands. Uh, was in Nine Inch Nails, uh, Guns N' Roses, Devo, uh, still is, The Vandals, uh, Perfect Circle. Uh, and uh, he's releasing an album called Since 1972. Uh, in fact, I'll play this because he's got a very good um, promotional video. Anyone can just listen to Josh Freeze's new record, but how about having him take you to lunch at B.F. Chang's or the Cheesecake Factory? 
take a private drum lesson with him. Or for all you non-drummers, maybe you'd rather have him give you a back and foot massage. Josh will swing you by Danny from Tools House to take some shrooms and cruise Hollywood in his Lamborghini. Oh, boy. Josh give you a private tour of Disneyland. Take home his Volvo wagon or one of his drum sets. Go miniature golfing with Josh, Mark from Devo, and Maynard James Keenan. Meet up and go floating in a sensory deprivation tank. Go to joshfreeze.com for the details. And if you're at all interested in getting weird and doing cool stuff. As seems to be much the case at the moment, you know, you, you do, you release your version, you have loads of different formats, so, you know, uh, uh, Radiohead did it. Uh, I think, you know, various other bands are doing it. So you can just buy the digital download or you can order a box set or you can have this, that and the other. He's gone. He's he's obviously I think maybe he might be um, a regular taker of um, enhancing substances and sat down one night and just came up with a load of stupid ideas and thought uh, that'll do. So for seven bucks, you can download the new album, which is called Since 1972. Uh, for 15 bucks, you get uh, the double disc set and, and the digital download. Uh, for 50 bucks, you get a T-shirt and, and all the, the above and a five-minute phone call with Josh. For 250 bucks, you get a signed drum head and sticks, and you can go on a lunch date to Josh, to P.F. Chang's or the Cheesecake Factory. For 500 bu- <laughs> bucks, you can meet him in Venice and go floating together in a sensory deprivation tank, filmed and posted <laughs> on YouTube, and have dinner afterwards. For 1000 bucks, Josh washes your car or does your laundry, or you can wash his car. You can- <laughs> It goes on and on and on. And the, 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 the pinnacle, which I think is kind of quite funny, is um, for, let me see, these, these get more and more rarefied. For $75,000, which is the highest kind of limited edition thing, you can go in on tour with Josh for a few days, have Josh write, record, and release a five-song EP about you and your life story, take home any of his drum sets, only one, but you can choose which one, take shrooms, I'm not sure what they are, and cruise Hollywood uh, in a Lamborghini... <laughs> Uh, and if you don't have a band, or he'll he'll join your band for a month and play shows, record, party with groupies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he'll t- and then you can take a limo down to Tijuana. He'll show you how how it's done in terms of par- partying. So it's just sort of it's a, it's a brilliant sort of set of well publicity generally. I, I wonder if people are actually going to take him up on this. I wonder how far people would go to find out how far he will go. But it seems it seems like a brilliant piece of um, self publicity, and it certainly worked uh, as far as we're concerned. Um, any anyone fancy any of those, Mark? Uh, uh, is it for Dave? eighty thousand dollars? Is it for eighty thousand dollars? He promises never to talk to you again. No, sadly not. That's not on. The, <laughs> but maybe you should, maybe you should ask him to amend it. I said to Chris, well, on the drive this morning, I said to Chris, maybe we should do something similar. You know, you could buy a mini monster for 250 bucks and we'll take you to McDonald's for 10 minutes <laughs> or for 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah. We'll let you, we'll let the own force take you to dinner or something. I don't know. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite intrigued by taking the limo to Tijuana and he'll show you how it's done. What this means exactly, we can't legally get into here. I'm wondering if a hundred thousand people, sister and a donkey. Uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right, but does anybody else here know what um, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles is about? No. Yes. Oh, it's a mag- it's a wonderful place, and it's exactly what you- what it says. You will get. Yes. You-, you will order and receive fried chicken and waffles, and the waffles are out of this world. They're unbelievable. Yeah. They're really good. All the time, having <laughs> dinner with um, Josh Freeze. 
Well, in this case, yes. If you want to spend ten grand, <laughs> you can go to you can go to Sco's and spend you know fifteen and have a nice meal. But yes. <laughs> you want to bring Josh? Is that along? is yeah. that the same package that has upgrade upgrade options? So for for twenty five bucks extra, he'll drive you by the place where Dave Grohl was digging ditches before he joined joined Nirvana. <laughs> or for fifty bucks extra, he'll drive you past the place that no somebody from No Doubt used to live. <laughs> wow. Well, just like the idea I mean, you've already like, spent ten grand. Why not the extra seventy-five for those perks? Why ever know? not? Prob- well, probably you'll probably you'll open up your wallet after you take uh, take the illicit substances with him. And I don't know. know. I, I wonder how far you go. I mean, and it also uh, it kind of begged the question: How far has one had to go in the name of promotion? I, I'm not sure if we've covered this before. We may have got something similar to it, but I thought it was worth asking the question. The personnel may have changed. And um, Dave, I know you've been in sort of bands and pop things. I mean, how, how, when the video director or the manager said, I know guys, let's do this. When have you drawn the line or have you ever? (laughs) Never, never. The best one we ever did was, so you'll love this story. We wanted to get rid of our manager at one point and she always had this kind of phrase, I can only fly in good weather, which is kind of bizarre considering most of her family were actually killed in an airplane accident. Um, so we decided that we were going to get rid of her. And we were thinking, well, what's the best way to do this? So we went for the photograph shoot of our single, allegedly. And uh, a mate of our, the singer had a mate who was in the West End uh, in Aladdin or something like that. So he went and got these unbelievable costumes. I think they're about 5,000 quid a pop borrowed them, brought them to us and said, okay, so here's the plan, right? We each have a costume and we walk into the photograph session saying, this is our new image. <laughs> She's going to turn around and say, don't take the Mickey. I can only fly in good weather. And we say, well, the door's the rectangular thing in the wall. Don't let it hit you on the ass on the way out. <laughs> so we w- went into the dressing rooms in John Henry and we got dressed up in all of this gear, which was completely mental. And we walked in and she took one look at it, bearing in mind that she was, you know, ex-Mecca nightclub diva or whatever. Um, she took one look at it and went, my, they're beautiful. Doctor and the medics, eat your heart out. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we wore them for the entire shoot because the photographer, who weirdly enough used to work for music technology and now works for Google, um, just looked at us and went, you are not getting out of this that lightly. So we had all of these publicity uh, <laughs> pictures taken in these obscene costumes. And I love these pictures now because if you were, think of the 80s, we were definitely there. I think the, um, we did a photo shoot for Smash Hits once and, uh, and we had to kind of hide behind washing powder and stuff. That, that was it, really. That wasn't actually very interesting. And I didn't draw the line, obviously, because I went along with it. <laughs> so what the heck? Um, Mark Tinley. How far have you been? And would, was there a line that was drawn in the name of promoting a product? I think I, I, other people are probably drawing the line when I'm making the suggestions, actually. So I don't think, I don't know if I have a line <laughs> when, it, when it comes to promoting a product. The only, my only problem with promoting products is I never know quite uh, what is the right or the wrong thing to do. So I, I might... Uh, put my product in people's consciousnesses, but really piss them off in the process. So they uh, probably think, you know, if I ever end up on their talk show, they're probably thinking, oh, God, not him. So, uh, <laughs> but I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head that's been utterly ridiculous. I mean, I too have done photo shoots for smash hits, and that was a very colourful affair, actually, thinking about it, but fun. 
there was a whole fad and phase of trying to get um, it to be the most ridiculous thing possible because the KLF were sort of throwing down the gauntlet. They were doing all these kind of outrageous, arty kind of statements in the pop world and in terms of promotion, which like buying old army vehicles and painting them fluorescent orange and that kind of stuff. So I mean, there was a whole phase of um, dance acts trying to out, you know, or at least picking up the gauntlet and trying to do crazy things. But uh, I think I, I think we we des- we decided we want to sign our record uh, deal um, on the on the top of a massive big wheel at Alton Towers, which is a theme park. Uh, it never happened. In the end, we went to an office and it was all very quiet and signed on the dotted line and kind of went home. That was it. It was really non-eventful. <laughs> it was really disappointing. But I don't know, um, PJ. How about you? I remember yeah. you must have done some crazy stuff. Uh, well, yeah, probably stuff that I, well, let's see how much can I mention here? Uh, I was, (laughs) I was part of a experimental noise collective in the mid nineties that has a name that I probably shouldn't mention over the air because it's not very family friendly. Okay. And, uh, we, uh, as part of a promotion and what wound up being, uh, the cover of our of our album that was released um at that at that time was the entire band and i think well not the entire band because at its largest inception we had 26 or 27 members and i think 17 or 18 of us showed up for this photo shoot but we stood in front of uh first avenue in minneapolis and bore our backsides for the camera yeah yep and that wound up being our album cover as well as uh as well as a poster that we put around around town <laughs> show that there isn't a line obviously for you i or if there is i i dread to think what it might be these these days there <laughs> might be <laughs> then there wasn't but uh i'll tell you we um you know might lead into the next uh if if you're going to talk about it but that the show that we did that night actually we uh opened for mr bungle who is uh, mike yeah. Patton's band but i didn't want to cut rich off i just i wanted to uh, <laughs> i'm sure you did <laughs> rich, go on. i know you've done some <laughs> yeah, crazy I'm stuff at, it's not so much on the order of crazy things is embarrassing humiliating unprofessional you know it's yeah, more that's along the, the line. stuff <laughs> uh okay how's this it's the first uh, I've been working I've been working for Nile Rogers about a month. We've been working furiously on the movie soundtrack to the movie Coming to America. And we're in Hollywood and it's uh we're working on the uh, Paramount Studio lot and it's this just this unbelievable experience for me. And we've been working these incredible hours trying to keep up with the changes in the film and all this and the changes in the music direction and it's just this just unbelievable intense environment. So we come to the first day, the Monday, at which the 80-piece orchestra shows up. The, my boss is out there conducting them, and everything that happens is dependent on the click track that's being generated by the synclavier that I've been running. And I overslept. Uh-oh. And arrived. <laughs> and it was like 10 past 9 a.m. when the phone rang and woke me up. And it was one of the two producers of the movie. Oh. It wasn't. It was. <laughs> Rich, oh. Are you coming? I'll be right there. <laughs> oh, ouch! That's yeah. That's that's <laughs> tough. <Thanks, D. laughs> that's funny. Uh, it was. It was. 
I, I and then never having to so sh- and then actually having to show up and face it uh, rather than just be well, a dot they, on the horizon. I, on the, well, a good question. You know, it's funny. I was just coming to this. So the way I look at it now, in retrospect, I was merely giving them some time to rehearse. Good point. You got eighty people looking at sheets of music they've never seen before. This is complicated music. We got time changes. We got film, and you know, whatever. You know, so, um, you know. I wouldn't go so far as to suggest that I was doing them a favor, but it's possibly the most unprofessional moment of my life. It's right up there with oh, uh, that's painful. some of the others. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure I've got a few, but I, I, I can't remember one at the moment. But that, I think that takes the biscuit just in terms of the size uh, and a, a number of people involved. Yeah, I think yeah that's, it was massive. Now you've, um, massive. now you've got it from how far will you go to promote yourself to what was the most unprofessional moment of your life. Yeah, right. Because I, I can't, can't, have I, to go. You're going to have to go. <laughs> I needed to leave at five o'clock anyway, and I think you've timed that perfectly because I've just started thinking of some of oh, mine, oh and I, in, and in ten seconds I won't be able to say them. Thank God. You can't leave me <laughs> saying. You can't leave me hanging out here like I'll this. Tell you next week. <laughs> next week. I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Mark, it's nice to have you. Uh, I'm glad um, we had some of your time and um, have fun doing whatever you're doing uh, after this. And um, of course, Mark Tinley can be found logicofattraction.com. Thank you very much, and I'll speak to you next week. Take care. Oh, man, I posted the link to my picture in the newsroom, in the chat room, and uh, they've picked up on a picture of you and Andy in there, Nick. <laughs> oh, gosh. <Yes. laughs> Which one was that? <laughs> oh, well, I that was the uh, 100th podcast, bizarrely. Oh, yes, the, uh, the champagne moment, yes. Well, Rich, I don't want to leave you hanging there. I've just remembered one. Um, when, about the time when we did Tom's Diner, which was way back in 1989, 1990, whatever, um, we got an invitation from Suzanne to go over to a New York studio in her lof- lovely loft apartment on the west side, uh, where she was uh, living with her boy- then then boyfriend Anton Sankey, who was a great producer, really interesting guy. And um, we uh, were asked to kind of work on some more mixes and you know do some various other things. And uh, we were we were there, and I was trying to help out. And I I remember threading the tape machine on the Atari when uh, back in the days when we had there were two inch machines. And uh, I forgot to slip. I put I put it outside the tape guard and put it into rewind, <laughs> and it just it just went zooming past the uh, the kind of metal tape guard head on those Atari MTR Mark Twos round the round side, just kind of like scraping off loads of oxide. That was pretty embarrassing. Ouch! Yeah, not quite. <laughs> the, it's not quite as as good scale. But I'm just trying to lighten your load a little, Rich. You know. <laughs> thank you nick <laughs> thank you very much i think it was at least a copy of the tape it wasn't the original so the movie's out everybody's happy it's cool <laughs> yeah yeah it all worked out fine in the end <laughs> all right well let's uh let's finish quickly um because we we i didn't realize we were quite there um the korg sigma anybody uh anybody know of the korg sigma i found the video uh, i'll play it quickly a little bit of korg sigma action here which was a 1979 released uh, pressure-sensitive keyboard with multiple voices that you could switch in up to 19. Uh, you can't hear them on this particular demo. But uh, it was quite... Uh, I was surprised to hear that Rick Wakeman apparently replaced four Minimoogs at one point. Um, and I thought Dave might know a little bit about that, being um, obviously an acquaintance of, of Rick's and um, possibly know a little bit about the Korg Sigma. Hmm. Um, I don't know anything about the Korg Sigma, sorry. Um, I know that Rick had an endorsement deal with Korg uh, 
and Chris and I were talking about this on the way down this morning to pick up the CS. Um, we think that it probably coincided with uh, Bob leaving, you know, Norlin took over Moog years and years ago. This is kind of mid to late 70s. Uh-huh. We think that it probably coincided with that because, you know, Bob was the kind of, he was such a great raconteur and him and Rick got on amazingly, amazingly well. So I think that the company lost something when Bob went. Uh, so, yeah, that's really the extent of my knowledge. I haven't spoken to Rick, although I was, but we were supposed to go over to his old place in the Isle of Man and uh, remove a lot of his old gear uh, when he got divorced. Um, he had a big shed full of stuff and there was some fantastic cool, cool stuff in there, the PS3200s, <gasps> a couple of those. I mean, they've been sitting in there for a long time, so you'd probably have to butcher them in order to create one decent one, one working one. But there were the Sigmas in there, the Delta, um, the Tridents, loads and loads of stuff uh, but sadly we never got around to it oh it's a shame i ne- i've never s- I-, I remember seeing one in the local music store because i remember the sigma delta triton uh the the sigma and the delta uh, which are sort of poly synths. i know rich you've got a kind of long uh history of messing with synths have you ever come across a one of these i'm sure i i've been in the same room as one i don't recall ever playing one mm, it's, so it's quite a rarity, it, was, it wouldn't have been something it wouldn't have been something that uh, that attracted my attention particularly things with those kinds of buttons on it i don't know it, it's just it, it's not i wouldn't have gone to it had i been in the same room as it and i'm almost sure i was i'm almost sure i've seen this thing but I, i'm equally sure i've never played it i wonder if um th- they were kind of trying to go for the um combo organ kind of crossover market with that sort of stuff because they use those same sort of buttons didn't they the sort of manual mm. switches yeah maybe I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get it then. I don't get it now. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think I would I would actually quite like to just um just have a quiet <laughs> moment with the tumbleweed because I feel I've chosen something that we uh, unless PJ, you have anything to add on the Korg Sigma? Nope. Hmm. There we go. Then I think that was uh, fully a full, a full tumbleweed moment, and perhaps on the, that tumbleweed moment. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much i hate to leave it on a down moment but uh i would like to also just at this point say uh you know uh, there was also a news item that elo bass player um kelly graukert uh, passed away um earlier this month and uh elo were a great band and he was a great bass player so um doff our caps to uh hope he's joined a great band in the sky somewhere and i could play out with a little bit of uh, elo once we've uh, s- said our goodbyes so um Perhaps uh, we've already said goodbye to Mark Tinley, who's uh, gone off to, to pursue other things. I don't know what he could possibly be doing that's uh, that's better than this, but, you know, each to their own. Anyway, Rich Hilton, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sure you're itching to get back to the studio where you can play with your monster Mac and all your new Pro Tools HD cards and stuff. But thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure as always. And PJ Trace from Minneapolis, thank you for joining me too. Um, Again, I'm glad you got your internet connection going and um, you've found the time to join us. I know you're very busy. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I am very busy because I have an appointment at the deprivation tank and then a limo to Tijuana. Past Dave Grohl's house, though. Uh, you're not going on a cruise at all. You're not going with your wife. You're going to go with, you're going to go with him, aren't you? Yeah, Josh we're going to get couples massages from him. Foot massages. Yep. Nice. Money well spent. Yep. Money well yep, spent, absolutely. I'm sure. Well, PJ, thanks for joining us. And uh, Dave Spears, I'm sure you're itching to get your hands back on the CS60 that's just come through your doors. So uh, I'll let you and it have some beautiful time together. 
I am, and uh, I know Matt listens to this, so thank you, Matt. Uh, very kind of you. And um, yes, thank you. And once again, thank you to all the people in the chat room for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you being there. It looks like um, the audio's held up and the Stickham streaming service is still going. And of course, you can follow what we're up to uh, via Twitter, which uh, is proving to be a great way of, of, of reaching people. So uh, we are Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is Sonic Nick, as you would think it would be spelled. So that's it. And thank you very much. It's a wrap. <laughs>